There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you once again for tuning into the podcast. This is our Friday edition of the podcast, our end of the week. And we're thankful for each of you that tune in, each of you that listen, each of you subscribe and download the podcast. We certainly appreciate the word of God going forth, the invitation to preach this week. We are at the Grace Bible Independent Baptist Church in Shingle House, Pennsylvania, again tonight. Tomorrow morning on Saturday, 10 a.m., myself, Pastor Asquith, will be preaching. And then also in the evening at 6 o'clock, there will also be a special service and then all day on Sunday, we'll be there at the church, and we're just looking for what the Lord is going to do. Following week then, each night at 6 o'clock, chapel service, the Black Creek Baptist Church, Black Creek, New York. And then, Lord willing, that following Sunday, we'll be at the Anchor Baptist Church in Wellsville, New York. I had a call today from a friend, and I do mean a friend. I've uh, been in missions for many, many years. I met him even before I was married. And then my wife and I had the privilege right before we got married to meet them again. And we've run them numerous times over the years, stayed in contact, had a chance to preach with him this summer. And uh, recently we found out that he has changed ministries. The Lord has brought him off the mission field and uh, he's pastoring a church now. And so I thank the Lord to hear that news that the, the man of God is still in the ministry, still laboring. And it's a difficult thing today to go to a foreign field and to linger and to labor. It's a difficult thing, especially in a third world country. And the sicknesses and the sin, the biggest thing you deal with and trying to raise a family. And so I just want to say to the missionaries, we know that, listen, I want to just exhort you to just continue to press on for God and do the will of God wherever God puts you until God moves you. And I thank God for that. Thank God for our missionaries. Thank God for those that still go, those that still labor, still know some good missionaries. Not all of them are in it for money. Not all of them are hirelings. You hear a lot of bad stories today, and it seems like the bad stories rise to the top. But there are those that silently have served the Lord. We know a missionary in Mexico, right across the border there from Tijuana, inland about an hour and a half. And he's come twice off the mission field. Once his wife got so sickly, and he just went back to the mission field, brought her back to the States, went back by himself for a couple of years, then returned to take care of his wife until her death. And then he told his pastor, he said, I need to go back to the mission field. And at the age of 82 years old, I believe it was, he headed back to the mission field. Now he's probably mid-80s, as far as I know, still pressing on. And how we give God the glory for our missionaries. Thank God for missions. Thank God for those that labor. And not only foreign missions, but our home missions. Thank God for those that preach in the nursing homes and those that preach in prisons and the schools and those that get the word of God out, that print the word of God. Thank God for pastors. Thank God for evangelists. Thank God for those doing the work of God. Every man labors where God puts him, and then God gives him those gifts to do the labor that he's called him unto. I thank God for the Bible printing that's going on in the United States, all over this world. How we rejoice in Bible translation, good Bible translation in foreign nations and foreign tongues. And we just thank the Lord for those that have labored. And so if that is you, we want to exhort you to press on. 
And I got friends in the radio ministry, got those still doing radio broadcast and booklet distribution. And we have a friend of ours in Mississippi. His church is laboring to get out two million booklets this year. Just a small work, just a handful of folks. But two million booklets last year they were able to put out before the end of the year. And so they're looking to do that again this year. We rejoice in that, try to support them, try to be a help to them. And the Lord's work must go on. And I just exhort you, brethren, and exhort you, sisters, to labor on for the coming of Jesus Christ. Mothers, train your children. Fathers, rule over your families. Pastors, shepherd the flock of God. Evangelists, preach the word of God. Missionary friends, labor where God's put you. To God be the glory. Blessed be the name of the Lord. We're in Psalm 140 today to the chief musician, a Psalm of David, and then David's prayer. And I don't see this necessarily as messianic, but we call it the messianic Psalms because we made up our minds a while ago to continue in the Psalms. He says, deliver me, O Lord, from the evil man, preserve me from the violent man, which imagine mischiefs in their heart continually are they gathered together for war. Now, David was in a different place than I am, a different predicament. But I can imagine if you're in a third world country, a communist country, even more so than America today, where men have risen up against you and they have forbidden the open practice of Christianity and they're persecuting the saints of God, we would pray for that deliverance, pray for that preservation. What we worry about today is a violent home entry and forced entry into our homes and carjackings in the city, things like that. But what, uh, what David was dealing with is those who would come to war against Israel, those who would destroy him as the king of Israel. No doubt David had those mighty men around him as a protection. I was reading just last night, as a matter of fact, and reading about George Washington. Of course, he had Nathaniel Green with him there at the Battle of Brandywine, which is a Pennsylvania landmark. And as they marched north in retreat, to be honest with you, he had told General Green, he told him to go on ahead, and General Green made the statement, allegedly, that he would not leave Washington because Washington needed all the protection he could get. And uh, they say when Stonewall Jackson died, Robert E. Lee said that, uh, he said Stonewall's lost his left arm. Initially, he had lost an arm before he died. And he said, I have lost my right arm. And so we see that in battles, what David is speaking of here, but we know ultimately the Lord is our protector. The Lord is he that's going to deliver us. The Lord is he that's going to watch over us. My keeper is not a sleeper. To God be the glory. In verse 3, they have sharpened their tongues like a serpent's adder's poison is under their lips. And so they sharpen their tongues like a serpent. And it's interesting that he used that word. Then he said adder's poison is under their lips. Selah, that adder, that deadly snake, that one that kills. That's their lips. And that's the evil lips. That's those tongues that speak evil. Those tongues that spew venom. That's the term we use today, but he said it's adder's poison. That's something we ought to use biblically. There are people today that have adder's poison in their tongue. It's actually death to a man. If the tongue gets a hold of them, it's a death to him. They sharpen their tongues like serpents do. Why? Because they're destructive. They're destructive men, destructive women, gossipers, harangers, liars. Keep me, O Lord, from the hands of the wicked. Preserve me from the violent man who have purpose to overthrow my goings. The proud have hit a snare for me and cords. They have spread a net by the wayside. They have set gins for me, Selah. And I looked up that gin, and I realized it's part of the snare. And again, as I try to learn things, and I'd learn things in Scripture, occasionally I'll stumble upon things. It's whether Google is spying on me or, or Samsung is spying on me, Apple is spying on me. I'm not sure why. But one of the things recently is I had looked at this Scripture and looked at the things of snares and gins, and of course, then a recommended video came up to me. And it was about rabbit hunting with, with a uh, ferret, rabbit hunting with ferrets, and then nets. 
And they would stake nets over these holes and put ferrets in the holes. And the ferrets would chase the rabbits out. The rabbits come flying out of the hole into the snare. And it was a beautiful example. Although it was a wonderful spiritual metaphor, if you will. And because those rabbits trying to defend themselves, trying to escape from the enemy, they come flying out of the hole. And what do they run into? They run into a snare. Technically, it's a gin, the way it's set up. And it's interesting that these scriptures speak of that. David is looking for deliverance because that's what the proud have done. The proud of destructive, the proud of that poison in their tongues, they're wicked men. The proud are still wicked men. Pride is the destruction of man. Pride is the absolute terror of man today. Men are so proud, so boastful in their doings and their ways. I said to the Lord, thou art my God. Hear the voice of my supplications, O Lord. O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. There's the deliverance that God gives. There's a safety that God gives. We know he gives the helmet. We know he gives the shield. We've talked in the Psalms of many of these things. We talk about his shield. He's our buckler. That's an offensive weapon, defensive weapon. The shield is a defensive weapon. And it keeps the fiery darts of the wicked at bay. But then that shield also, those fiery darts, is used to smother them. It's used to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. And when those darts would fly in, the shield would go down and cover that. But he said, here, the Lord's covered his head. Now, the Apostle Paul told us that's the, the shield is, is faith. And, of course, that helmet is salvation. And the Lord covers the head of those that he loves. The Lord covers the head of his children. He is. There's a safety is of the Lord. And it's amazing. I've heard people talk about safety is of the Lord. And then they go out and buy a gun. And they say safety is of the Lord. And they go buy a bigger knife. Safety is of the Lord. They go buy a big can of mace. And, you know, safety is either of the Lord or it's not. And I'm for all those things, not against those things. But don't go touting safety as of the Lord and then plan to defend yourself in a day of battle because the troubles that we defend ourselves are so small compared to the trouble that we're going to face, compared to the troubles that men will bring to us. And and I've said for many, many years, I'm not an, an ammo stockpiler. I have plenty of ammo as it is, mostly for recreational shooting. I hope for nothing else. But I don't stockpile ammo, and I know those that stockpile and those that are waiting for World War III. And my fear is that I wait for World War III, and I load my AK-47 and go to the window of my house, and I look across the horizon and see a streak of light coming towards my house, and they launch a hellfire missile into my house, destroy two city blocks around me. And I can't fight that. That's why safety must be of the Lord. It could be an M1 Abrams tank is a mile, 1.4 miles from my house. It launches a Sabbath round. Into my living, my whole house collapses down, kills me and my family. And I'm up there holding a pistol thinking I'm defending myself. What a tragedy that is. Not believe God, not believe the word of God. And I believe there's such a mix of that in people today without faith. And they say safety is of the Lord. And listen, I do believe it's fine to arm yourself. I believe it's fine to obey uh, the laws of the land. I believe it's fine to take up arms if need be. I believe that uh, we need to maintain a militia. And I realize it's not the militia like you see on TV. It's not because you got a long hair and a long beard woven with braids and thistles in your eyeballs. That doesn't make you a militia. But no, I believe that people need to defend themselves. I believe it's a God-given right that he's given us to defend ourselves. But in the day in which we in safety is of the Lord. When they come into the church and shut the church down, it's going to be safety that's of the Lord. When they close the church down, we have to sneak one another's house and sneak out into hay fields and sneak into barns and hold secret services. Safety is going to be of the Lord. That's what David is speaking of here. The Lord covered my head in the day of battle. When the darrows came and the and and the swords came and the battle came, ultimately it was God that protects his own. 
And my friend, there's so many things we rely on and count on and trust. And there's such a mixed message that goes out with people today uh, with that matter of God protection and God's protection and God's care. And I had a man recently told me, he said, I don't go anywhere without a gun. I said, well, go to New Jersey then. Enjoy that for a while. Just don't get pulled over. <laughs> you know. And go to New York City and, and shout out from Times Square. I never go anywhere without a gun. And you find out how well that works out. It's not going to work out well for you. So you better know God. You better know, I'm not trying to meddle, but you better know safety. You better have faith. You better believe God. Men trust in all these devices of man-made affairs and man-made They better learn how to trust God. They better learn how to believe God. I knew a man who was in declining health, and he wanted to prove that he could one more time shoot his gun, and his wife didn't want him to, so he waited till she left the house, and he loaded this gun, and he saw a rabbit out in the yard, and he's going to shoot that rabbit, and and his wife came home, and she smelled the, the smell of powder in the house, and kind of gave him a funny look, and he didn't say anything. He was much chagrined. He was sitting in his chair, and she went up and heard the wind whistling, and she looked, and sure enough, there's a big hole through the casement of the window. And she went down and asked him, said, what happened to this true story? What happened to the casement of the window? And very, very sheepishly, he said, well, I, I thought I'd prove I could shoot the gun one more time. And uh, he set it on the windowsill and put the scope on the rabbit and fired. And he forgot the barrel of the gun was also sitting on the windowsill and blew a hole right through the casement. I saw the hole personally. Well, just believe God. Your man gets in that condition, you better trust God. Man gets in old age where he can't fight, better trust God. Better believe God. I've walked down dark streets at night on visitation and believed that God was my safety and my protection. We've gone to the streets of Baltimore and the homeless ministry and some of the most riotous places in Baltimore. We stood there believing safety was of the Lord and never had a problem, never had an issue, never got attacked. Why? Because God is our protector. God is our safety. But on the streets and had people threaten to punch me, threaten to kill me, and, and threaten me with every sort of harm you can think of. Yet God is our safety. And my friend, if we would just grasp that again, that God is going to take care of us. People eat all the wheat germ and all the organic greens they want, but it's ultimately God that's going to protect you. It's ultimately God that's going to give you life. Honor your father and your mother will do you well to do these things in this life. And I'm not trying to be mean or malicious or unkind, but where is faith today? Where are those that just believe God today? Where are those that know that God is going to take care of their needs and God is going to take care of their protection and God is going to watch over their family? Where is that generation? They, they rely on self. They rely on self-will. They rely on self-pity. They rely on self-indulgence, as you name it. Everything is about them and nothing said about God. Man told me one time, he said, I'll work until I die. I didn't know that next morning he almost died. Dropped over right where he was in the yard. Had a massive heart attack. And I'll work till I die. Well, he didn't realize that within eight hours, nine hours of him saying that, it was going to almost come to pass. And how many people are like that? I'll work till my strength abates, and tomorrow their strength abates. And so again, arm yourselves. That's fine. Protect yourselves. But you better believe God's going to take care of you. Eat healthy. Eat right. Eat what's good. That's fine. But you better believe that God's going to take care of you. Take your vitamins, but believe that God's going to take care of you. Take your supplements, but believe that God is ultimately in charge of this thing. It's God that has control over your body. And it's God that has control over your health. And it's God that's going to give you protection and safety. It's God that's going to put that helmet upon your head and cover your head. And he said in verse 9, it said, For the head of those that compass me about, let the mischief of their own lips cover them. Let burning coals fall upon them. Let them be cast into the fire in a deep pit that they rise not up again. I'd much rather 
have trusted God and believed God and kept my mouth shut than be one of those who's going to rely on self in a day of calamity, look for God and can't find God. In a day of trouble, they go marching out of their house with 14 guns strapped to their legs, and there's an M1 squad waiting in the street for them. I'd much rather be that man that just believed God. I'd much rather be that man that has prayed. And I know this is going against the grain of fundamentalism, the grain of backward Baptists, and the grain of everybody else that is going to take care of themselves. But if God can't take care of you, how in the world are you going to take care of yourself? I couldn't walk today if it wasn't for the mercy of God. I couldn't clap my hands today if it wasn't for the mercy of God. I wouldn't have a voice to speak if it wasn't for the mercy of God. I'd be dead and in hell if it wasn't for the mercy of God. God's mercy was new this morning, and God's mercy will continue for those that believe him. Just a little exhortation for some of us that are ensnared in this matter of we're going to make it through on our own. We're going to do this on our own. We're going to survive on our own. You realize that no matter how bad you eat, no matter how well you eat, ultimately you're still going to die. What's going to matter is how you were in this manner of living for God. What's going to matter is what's from is not a faith, is sin. And if you're not doing it by faith, it's sin to you. And that's not that's not stretching that. That is talking about dietary things there, by the way. But you say, well, I'm doing this because I believe this, and I've read this article, and I've read this article, and I've read this article. Well, why don't you read 66 volumes that are written for your protection and for your safety and see what the Lord reveals to you? That's what matters. That's the only thing that's going to matter. We're in a day when men are self-willed. They have all these ideals and all these thoughts. Depends on who you read after. Depends on what you read after. But can I say, if you read after Jesus Christ, you might find faith. You might find you can believe God. You might find you can actually trust God. He said in 11, let not an evil speaker be established in the earth. Evil shall hunt the violent man to overthrow him. I know that the Lord will maintain the cause of the afflicted and the right of the poor. Surely the righteous shall give thanks unto thy name. The upright shall dwell in thy presence. What a great place to be. What a safe place to be in the presence of God. It's the safest place in all the world to walk in his presence, to know his presence. There's no safer place. At that point, why would you need to eat, let alone be concerned about what you eat? At that point, why would you need a gun, let concerned, be concerned about what kind of gun you have? Now listen, for those of you that are skeptics, those of you criticizing in your hearts and thinking I'm just some kind of liberal, listen, I own plenty of guns. I own plenty of ammunition. I've got them scattered all around the country. Amen. I got them in safe holes. I got them in trees. I got them hidden again. No, I'm joking about that. But listen, I own some weapons and I love to target shoot. One of the great joys I find outside of the things of God. I like to go out and shoot for targets, skeet shooting, pistol shooting, rifle shooting. I enjoy it all. But let me just rest assured you know this. If somebody breaks in my house at night, you know where my safety lie that lieth in the Lord. And to date, to God be the glory, God has protected my family. To date, God has watched over us. God has given us safety. God has kept his hand upon us. To this date, God has watched. And can I say, if he'll do it for the McVeigh family, I know he'll do it for you. God will be your keeper. God will watch over you. God will be that helmet that you need. He will cover your head. And that is the safest place you can be. But yet without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. That's why David spake of that matter. He said, I am old, not young. And yet have I not seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. Why? Because he was relying on God to take care of him. 
not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. That's why Israel went down into Egypt land. Why did he go down to Egypt land? Because God providentially provided for him in a time of drought, in a time of dearth upon the face of the earth, in a time of famine. God had sent Joseph down to prepare the way for Israel to bring his sons and their families and their flocks and their herds and to come down into Egypt land. God made provision for them because God cares for his own. How much more would God make provision for us if we would just have faith, even as a grain of mustard seed? If we just have that little tiny dot of faith, how much would God be willing to do for us? He is our keeper. He is our safety. Would you have a safe weekend? Have a great weekend. Consider these things by faith. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord as he cries for forgiveness and mercy. God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption falleth not. There only was now the angels of God are rejoicing for the prodigal child has come home and the saints all with gladness are singing.